0: Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
1: Welcome to Episode 137 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is Alzheimer's disease, family caregivers' challenges, needs, and priorities. Alzheimer's disease is brain disease that can't be stopped, reversed or cured. It's not a normal part of aging, though it's increasingly likely to affect people as they age, which means that it will affect more and more people as the population ages. It slowly destroys memory and thinking. It slowly destroys the ability to carry out the simplest of tasks. It slowly destroys speech. Someone well down the road of Alzheimer's disease may not be able to communicate that they have a painful sore in the mouth or something like that. So instead, they may become aggressive or even violent. It slowly destroys the ability to recognize even members of the person's own family. It can create major challenges for family caregivers, but some persons with it do live out their lives at home, peacefully cared for by their family caregivers. Now, to talk about Alzheimer's disease, our guests today are Nagib Gouda and Mary Schultz. Nagib, first of all, uh, Nagib is Chief Executive Officer of the Alzheimer Society of Canada, which he joined in December 2011. Previously, he was Executive Director of the Ontario Medical Association's Member Services and CEO of its insurance company. He co-led the Canadian Medical Association and its provincial and territorial counterparts to reach an alliance agreement on financial matters. He's held senior positions at Manulife Financial and the Bank of Montreal. He served as executive director, alumni and advancement services at York University, and he holds an MBA from York University. Now, he's a lifelong volunteer with the boards of organizations like Toronto Distress Centre, Big Brothers Big Sisters Canada and the United Way of Greater Toronto. Now Mary, Mary Schultz has been the Director of Information Support Services and Edu- Education at the Alzheimer's Society of Canada since 2006. She spent her career in healthcare, providing individual and family counseling to clients facing crises associated with life-limiting illness, chronic disability, and cognitive impairment. She helped to plan and implement programs and services in settings throughout the healthcare continuum. She earned her bachelor degree in social work from Ryerson University, and she holds a master's degree in social work from York University. In her current role, along with the counterparts across the provincial Alzheimer's Society, she's leading the society's culture change. So, welcome to the show, Naguib and Mary. Thank, Thank you. you. Now, let me start with Naguib. Please, please tell us first a bit more about your background in volunteering, and particularly, what what role does does volunteering. Have in helping family caregivers caring for a family member with Alzheimer's disease. Nighe, please.
2: Well, volunteering has been part of my life as far back as I can remember. As a little boy growing up in Egypt, I, I saw my grandmother. I watched my grandmother do a lot of volunteering uh, with with organizations like the Red Cross. Uh, I watched my dad later on life start up organizations such as Lung Cancer Canada. And today's an 81 year old man. He is still volunteering. Uh, in seniors' residences, so it, it, it's, it's part of my makeup. It's, uh, it really is about giving back, and, and, and as I said, that's how I grew up. Uh, I've been volunteering since the early 80s um, in a number of social services and health-related agencies, the distress centers you mentioned, Sheena's Place, um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it really is what I do. In terms of Alzheimer's, um, it really is about how we could not do what we do without our our volunteers. Their role is hugely important. The numbers, as we're gonna talk about uh, over the course of of our conversation, are are just too staggering. And and for family caregivers, it's a 24-7 job. And the support of volunteers is huge. In terms of our society, uh, volunteers are also really important in terms of uh, being our advocates, our donors, our ambassadors. So it, it, it just really is uh, a thread in everything that we do.
1: Mary, please tell us more about your background, especially in counseling, and your experience of working with family caregivers. Mary?
3: Well, as you say, Gordon, I have my master's in social work, and so I've spent my career working with families and individuals who've really had illnesses usually strike them out of the blue and turn their lives upside down. So I would say, in a nutshell, that it's been a very humbling experience for me to work with these families. It's very um, encouraging, and as I say, humbling to see the resilience of families really facing incredibly life threatening, life altering conditions, and yet, some somehow managing to pull together and make the best of it and even sometimes um, surmount the problem to have a better life than they might otherwise have. So what I would say, the overriding uh, issue that I, has come to my mind as I've worked with these families is that of being perpetually humbled and strengthened by what I see in them.
1: Nagabe, let's talk about the Alzheimer's Society. What are the overall priorities for the Alzheimer's Society today given all the challenges arising from Alzheimer's disease?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Everything that you read in terms of what we we put out there talks about two things that talk about help for today and hope for tomorrow and and in a nutshell those are our priorities. Um, We're the leading national not-for-profit health organization dedicated to helping people affected with Alzheimer's disease and there are Th- those are the pillars by which we work. So in terms of help for today it's it's the outreach, it's the support, supporting families, educating the community and and helping train caregivers. In terms of hope for tomorrow, it's about the research. We're the largest non-governmental funder of Alzheimer's research in Canada, and we have a peer-reviewed program uh, that 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 funds research both biomedical research um, as well as quality of life research, and as importantly as research is also advocacy, uh, that's, that's also part of the hope for tomorrow, and advocating for a national dementia plan. Uh, dementia is a ticking time bomb, but the WHO report, the World Health Organization, uh, spelled that out quite recently in terms of the staggering numbers worldwide, the, the one case every four seconds. But right here in Canada, uh, right now we're looking at half a million Canadians living with this disease. And that number is going to go up to 1.1 million Canadians in less than 25 years. Um, We also have a huge economic burden on our country, which is going to become staggering. The numbers right now are going to increase tenfold, and they're going to reach about $153 billion per year. And so we work really hard in terms of advocacy, and that's a priority, uh, in terms of needing and deserving a national voice. We are the only G8 country that does not have a national dementia plan, and everything we can do um, to to help that along, uh, we do.
1: Mary, what are the priorities in your area of work with the Alzheimer's Society?
3: Well, as Naguib mentioned, our whole mission is around help for today and hope for tomorrow. And traditionally, we think of information support and education as being very present in people's lives, very much the help for today side of things. But in fact, we really provide those three things, information, support and education, to people with dementia and their families primarily, although not exclusively, throughout the whole process progression of the disease. So from before diagnosis, when people are worried about their cognitive health, right through to death, across the healthcare continuum, so in other words, wherever people live, whether it be in their own homes or in a a long-term care home, we're there to support them, and it's regardless of where they live in Canada. So we are nationwide, and we're in uh, over 150 communities in Canada. So our priorities are really to serve people with dementia and their families and others who support them, like the healthcare. Care network that's always around them, and regardless of where they live in Canada and regardless of what stage of the disease they're living with.
1: Now, I just want to come back to Naguib. Um, you were saying about the huge economic burden. Now, this yes. is a loaded question, but is it right, would you agree, to say that family caregivers are in fact helping meet that? Economic burden, even to the point perhaps of subsidising the healthcare system in coping with, Alzheimer's, with uh, Alzheimer's disease and all the things that go with it. Now, I know, as I said, that's a loaded question, but what do you think? Well, absolutely.
2: Uh, but you know, it, it, and we're going to come. I'm sure we're, we're going to talk about this in a little while. It, it's a twenty four seven job, and and so. Uh, Yes, the, uh, you could call it subsidizing. Uh, they are part of the formula. Beside or behind everybody living with this disease is at least one if not two people in a caregiving role. And that's a 24-7 job, and, and it takes a huge toll on them. So it's not just the economic toll, it's also all the other tolls, the emotional, physical, psych- psychological, and even financial.
1: Right. Now, we're going to go into the break in a moment, but I just want a quick question for Mary on the same thing. In your work with family caregivers, um, what do you think their real major contribution is when they're working with the healthcare system that's providing uh, care for a family member with Alzheimer's disease? What's the first thing that you think of when I ask you well what do family caregivers do?
3: Well we depend on family caregivers to Help us understand the whole person with dementia when the person with dementia can no longer speak for themselves. So, family members are able to fill in so many vital gaps in terms of who really is Gordon, what makes him tick, what are his values, his preferences, what are his opinions, his interests, what does he hate, and what does he hope to avoid in his life, so that we can really develop and, and de- deliver what we call person centered care care that is really centered on you as an individual rather than in a cookie-cutter approach. So families are that vital link between the person who we see in front of us with dementia who's still very much there but who is not able to articulate for themselves as they would have earlier.
1: So I guess I'm saying, summarizing just very briefly back to you both, that family caregivers are really part of the team that is getting more and more important in everything it does to deal with this challenge of Alzheimer's disease for society as a whole for families and of course for the individuals who get this awful complaint this awful disease and all the consequences so on that point I'm going to suggest that we take the break because this is where we have to pay our rent so this is Dr. Gordon Adler and my guests are Nagib Gouda and Mary Schultz you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel please stay tuned we will be back
4: the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Get ready to talk about anything and everything. Listen for Life Matters with Kim Alberts. This is truly a round table or whatever table discussion. It's always the perfect place to sit with a cup of coffee and dish on the topics that matter most to you. Kim has an amazing background and is ready to talk about family, news, current events, And offer thought-provoking discussion and encouragement to get you through your day. Life Matters with Kim Alberts can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are rich bloomfield and rick durfee who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action but few people know how wealth really works listen every tuesday at 7 a.m pacific time 10 a.m eastern time on the voice america business channel and find the answers you need about wealth do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer. And someday you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Clip has spent three decades learning how to win at the Dream Home Game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Clip help save you money and make you a winner. Stimulating
4: talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
0: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email. To Doc G at now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Nige Guder and Mary Schultz. Our topic is Alzheimer's disease, family caregivers' challenges, needs, priorities. Now, let's talk about the challenges that Alzheimer's disease creates for family caregivers. First with you, Naguib, please. What are the most difficult financial challenges that Alzheimer's disease creates for family caregivers? And what implications do these financial challenges have for the families, the family members, and for our society generally?
2: Naguib, please. Thank you, Gordon. What a huge question that is. I guess I'll start by saying that that providing dementia care really can become, and we were talking about this right before the break, can become a full-time job um, without adequate support. So oftentimes caregivers may be forced to quit their job, to cut back on work, to take a less demanding job in order to provide care, and all of those have a huge, huge financial impact. Um, I was speaking to a friend of mine this morning, uh, whose husband, also a friend of mine, is in early onset, and we were talking just about this. And I asked her that very question, and she was telling me about the unknown future cost. Um, her husband uh, is a young man and, 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 and will hopefully live for many years, uh, and there will be many stages that will have financial impact, and, and those are unknown future costs that they have to prepare for in terms of in-home care, respite care, um, eventually, potentially, probably being, um, uh, uh, having the need uh, to move um, to uh, a different kind of care outside the home. So, you know, it's about, it's also about dreams, it's about plans, it's about um, dealing with with her own health issues, potentially in the costs of those, it's about mortgages and selling houses, and that's why um, we we talk when we talk about the importance of early um, diagnosis and and, and awareness. Uh, one of the key reasons that is important is is so that. Very early on, uh, both the person living with the disease as well as their family can together plan for the future because the economic the financial challenges are absolutely huge and and, and of course we we can also talk about you know um, what what that is like in rural communities and, and 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 we can talk about vulnerability to financial scams we can talk about powers of attorney and living wills those are it's a really complicated matter and and definitely a challenge.
1: Mary tell us please about the challenges for family caregivers in interpreting interpreting the early warning signs of Alzheimer's disease. What's the advice you give to family caregivers who are wondering if the loved one is beginning to show the warning signs?
3: Mary? This is a tricky area, Gordon, because, of course, we all tend to worry about uh, the fact that we forget things now and then. We race down to the basement and we say, what the heck did I come down here for? And we start to worry that, oh, this is the beginning of dementia, and what am I going to do now? We hear these concerns all the time, and what we really advise families to do is to really learn the difference between what dementia is and what the warning signs for dementia are, as opposed to just normal, everyday aging and forgetfulness that we all all go through every day. But if it turns out that in looking at those warning signs, you are concerned about really how you're doing from a cognitive, from a mental functioning point of view, we advise families and individuals to talk to their family doctors as early as possible. It's human nature, Gordon, to kind of want to shove these things under the carpet and just kind of hope that they're going to go away. But in fact, you know, the disease is a scary one, but there's a great deal that can be done, and those efforts can be much more successful if they're implemented as early in the disease as possible. In fact, when the Alzheimer's Society of Canada did a public survey, we found that 75% of those people whom we surveyed who had waited more than a year to see their family doctor would actually now go and see the doctor much, much earlier because they realize there is so much support and help available.
1: Now, Naguib, you were talking earlier about Um, somebody who you know um, and the way in which the Alzheimer's disease was start was impacting the family, the family Mm. caregiving. Now, I want please to ask you what more do we know about the effects on family caregivers of Alzheimer's disease and what I'm talking about in terms of effects are effects on the family caregivers own mental and physical health. What do we know? Absolutely
2: and a really good source that again I referred to earlier is the World Health Organization reports that came out earlier this year and it talks in in great detail about the consequences of, of caregivers and if I could just on a personal note also say that my aunt uh, died of Alzheimer's disease very shortly after I started working at the society and I was her caregiver and during that final week uh, where she was living out of town I got to feel some of those effects for one week and it was staggering to me um, to to imagine what it is like uh, to go through that for a very very long period of time so you know we speak about a second patient in the making uh, and that is the family caregiver when we speak of a person who is diagnosed with dementia And it's important that we need to give equal priority to the needs of the caregiver, uh, who's a crucial resource uh, in terms of long-term care of the person living with dementia. And the uh, effects you're talking about are absolutely psychological, physical health, quality of life, economic security. The disease has a very profound and often adverse impact uh, on family dynamic, on on role functioning. dementia care is difficult. It requires time, energy, and physical exertion from the, from the caregiver, and that goes on uh, as the disease progresses. Often uh, that care is there for many years, and, and the individual is under very high levels of stress for a very long period of time, so you can imagine the chronic fatigue. Um, but, but I also want to, on a positive note, if I might, um, I've talked to a lot of people in the months that I've, I've been with the society, and and I I, I need to say that a lot of caregivers, most caregivers, and most family members involved in providing this kind of care take a huge amount of pride in their role, perceive many positives, and the key motivator in terms of the caregiving is definitely one of affection. So that's also very important to say.
1: Thank you. Um, Mary, in, in connection with Alzheimer's disease, we hear about a particular type of challenge that the doctors call high-risk behaviors. Now, what are these, and what advice do you give to family caregivers who are concerned about these things?
3: Well, when we hear about high-risk behaviors, we're usually talking about the things that tend to make the news or tend to really be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back for families. It's usually things like agitation, tremendous distress, perhaps getting lost, especially in the kind of climate we have in Canada, getting outside in inappropriate clothing, repetitive questioning that can just wear families down to a frazzle, out and out aggression, even things like lack of insight can be particularly wearing for families and can lead them just to be at the end of their ropes. So what we talk about with these kinds of behaviors is to understand that these behaviors are not anomalies, they're not unusual, they are very, very predictable with this disease. And why that is, is because the brain directs everything that we do. So the more that we understand how the brain functions, the more we're going to be able to say, ah, that's why mom is acting this way, or that's why mom might act this way. So what can we do to try and avoid a crisis, avoid some of these high-risk behaviors? And if we can't always, which we can't always, how can we try and make it a little bit easier for mom to be comfortable and for us not to go out of our minds with her repetitive questioning or with worry that she's going to get out in the middle of the night and wander the streets. So really understanding the brain and how it affects behavior actually can help us be very proactive and anticipate a lot of these high-risk behaviors so that a lot of the crises are nipped in the bud.
1: So Mary, you were talking earlier about sort of education and information for family yes. caregivers. Is it right to say then that the Alzheimer's Society provides the kind of guidance that family caregivers are going to need in relation to understanding high-risk behaviours, how the brain functions, the predictability, and how to cope with them? Is that right?
3: That's absolutely fair, Gordon. The Alzheimer's Society is here to help right through the course of the disease and to help you strategize around how to plan for some of the changes in the person that we know are coming. We work with people with this disease every. Every day. So, we have a different way of looking at it than a family member that is just facing all of this for the first time. So, for example, we can tell family members don't assume that your mom is going to understand that that cleaning fluid that you store under the kitchen sink is not drinkable. Even though you've put labels on it, even though you've said a, cross and, uh, a skull and crossbones is on the label, she's going to get to a point where that doesn't matter to her anymore and she doesn't understand that and she might drink it and she may die. So we are able to say, let's get all that stuff put away. Don't assume your mother is always going to be able to understand the world around her as she does now. That's a huge crisis that we can help avoid, which ultimately could be fatal.
1: Right. That really is part of the planning, isn't it? It Uh, is. You've both been stressing that, and I just want to go back to Naguib quickly. Uh, Naguib, you emphasized the point about planning, but you also mentioned the pride that family caregivers can have in the kind of caring they're doing. Yeah. So I guess planning ahead by knowing and expecting what's coming, whether it's medical, psychological, or financial, becomes part of that job of the family caregiver, the job that has to be managed, and that if managed as well as possible under the circumstances, can be a source of pride. Am I right in saying uh- that?
2: Absolutely, and, and, and knowledge, of course, also uh, helps the caregiver understand that some of what's happening is not intentional, and although not always, sometimes that helps. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, what we're coming to is a very important set of ideas, and if I had to speak, you know, once upon a time I was a physician, and the idea of early diagnosis was so that you could get going with the treatment before the disease advanced too far, now, I think there's something different here. It isn't that the medical diagnosis is useless. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that knowing the medical diagnosis and knowing what's going to happen is profoundly important beyond the question of which treatments but into the whole question of care by the healthcare system, by family caregivers, and by us all in relation to managing this problem, which you both describe so very well. So on that point, um, it is time for us, as I say, to take the short break, which is the way in which we generate our um, our financial um, needs. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Nagib Gouda and Mary Schultz. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned.
4: streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com.
0: listening to women of all races talk about how they have thought of dating outside of their races shows there's a current trend in interracial relationships that should be explored tune in to interracial relationships where do you stand what's on your mind Your host, Flora Pickett-Coley, will speak to experts and individuals who are involved in interracial relationships. Our goal is to have open discussions on the issues. Listen every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: We all want to be happy, but consider that conventional thinking is what got us where we are now. The good news is there's so much more to know that can give us a new and higher perspective. Tune in to A New View of Life with host Kathy Kirk as we unlock the conversational gridlock in America by exploring new ideas and new information on every aspect of life which is needed to move us not just forward but upward. A New View of Life airs live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
0: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Nagib Guder and Mary Schultz. Our topic is Alzheimer's disease, family caregivers, challenges, needs, and priorities. Let's talk about services and solutions for the challenges that Alzheimer's disease brings to family caregivers. Now, to you, Naguib, please. What is the Alzheimer's Society's approach to combating the stigma of Alzheimer's disease? What success are you having and what more needs doing? Naguib? Thank you, Gordon. I'm going to start by saying
2: this is probably one, if not the main reason why I took this role uh, last year. Uh, It's a stigma. And and what we're doing today, uh, you and I and Mary, is exactly what the Alzheimer's Society uh, needs to do and, and wants more and more people to do, which is to have a conversation, just like we're having today, and to get the stigma out of the way. Uh, to increase awareness, and we'll talk about that in a minute. That we, again, I'll, I'll refer to my grandmother twice in this conversation, by saying that as a young boy and when she was diagnosed with cancer, she did not refer to it by name. Uh, that's how things were back then, and uh, the stigma is, is, is not there anymore. And, and, and without the stigma, um, you know, it, it's a different approach to, to the disease. We're dealing with, with really complex, um, issues around stigma here. We're we're dealing with um, the stigma of mental health, the stigma of aging, the stigma of of losing one's intellect, and how difficult is that for anyone, uh, any one of those things, let alone potentially all three, and let alone for baby boomers, which is that group which is going to make the numbers that we talked about earlier that much, much more staggering. One of the ways that we at the society um, deal are dealing with this is our annual awareness campaign, and last year it was called Let's Face It. It included the voice, the voices of real caregivers as well as people uh, who are living with this disease, and that is so vitally important. Their voices are so vitally important uh, to the work that we do. Uh, Our board members um, as well. Uh, One of our board members, Jim Mann, is is, uh, living with the disease, and he um, contributes enormously uh, to our operations and, and to the board's uh, to the board's operations and, and, and governance and advice that they give us. And his and others' voices are really, really important to us. Uh, we're also working very closely with our partners, such as Alzheimer's Disease International. We're one of the founding members, and, and, and this is also on their agenda in terms of um, getting rid of the stigma, dealing with the stigma. It will be a huge, huge part of... This year's World Alzheimer's Day. And although we don't have our, our plans in place yet, we will do whatever we can this year to support uh, ADI and the World Alzheimer's uh, Day theme of combating the stigma.
1: Right. Mary, on this show, we, the audience, and I hear so very often about family caregivers' needs for trustworthy, timely, understandable and useful information. Now, we've already talked a lot about information services that you are involved with, that the society provides. Uh, I want to know more, please, about who benefits from these services and how they benefit, given the fact that for family caregivers, and I know I'm repeating the point, but I want to emphasize it, that really is one of their priorities that comes through time and time again,
3: Mary? Absolutely. Well, we work very hard, as as do all charities, to really earn the trust of the people that we're here to serve because our goal is that people with dementia and family members and virtually anyone interested in learning more about dementia can feel that the information that the Alzheimer's Society provides can be trusted. We work hard to make sure that it's very current, that it's reflecting the research that's out there, not just someone's opinion, and that it's unbiased, and for that reason we don't endorse products. We're very careful to make sure that what we provide is very, very unbiased and very accurate and up-to-date. said that, we also see that every person with dementia and family member is a unique person. So when you've met one person with dementia, you've met one person with dementia. So we want to talk with you about what do you need and how can we best help you to meet your goals. So if it's a goal to learn more about the disease or to get connected with people, we offer services like support groups, education classes, online caregiver forums. There are social events where you can just have a cup of Tea with someone who's in the same boat as you are, and chat about what strategies you're using to combat some problem that you're facing with the disease. There are There's a lot of literature and that's available on our website at alzheimer.ca, but it's also available in hard copy through all of our local societies across the country. So what we don't know, we are trying to find out, but what we do know, we try to make available in a variety of formats because everybody learns differently and everybody has different needs when it comes to support and what they're comfortable with. This is a devastating illness, not just Alzheimer's disease, but all forms of dementia and we we know that families need very tailored and unique kind of support to get through
1: it. Got it. Now, um, Naguib, family caregivers often on this show but widely talk about their problems finding their way around and about the healthcare care and social systems. So please tell us about the services that the Alzheimer's Society provide provides to help them navigate, how effective these navigational aids are, and what more you think needs doing. Nikki, please.
2: Absolutely, and and I'll give Mary a heads up, I'll probably be turning this over to you relatively shortly, Mary, but uh, I can can certainly uh, tell you that we have 150 societies across this country, and they serve as lifelines. They provide hands-on service, and uh, when Somebody is diagnosed with the disease. The caregiver and the person who's been diagnosed um, don't always live in the same city, and so uh, this uh, this web, so to speak, that we have of societies across this country uh, with consistent services brings that together so that uh, people can understand uh, what they can do, uh, where to go and how to navigate the system. Uh, I'm sure Mary will talk about our first link program. Uh, we talked about the importance of the system navigator in our rising tide reports to facilitate accessibility uh, to improve and strengthen integration of community and home care with primary care to create a seamless wraparound uh, kind of care service. So. That, Th- that's what we're there for. That is the core, absolute core of, of what we do. Um, in some ways, it's no different than other diseases, but it is a very complex uh, disease, and it's a it's just a disease that goes, uh, uh, that, that continues uh, through many phases for many years. And so the society is, is there um, through all the stages um, to help uh, navigate, to help uh, of patients and caregivers uh figure out where to go for what but i'm going to turn it over to mary especially from
1: the first link okay mary please do pick up um on what nagu was saying and follow through on other things that you would like to say but i also have a question for you and so uh this is a double one i want you to tell us um more about the help that's available to family caregivers to help them cope with the health and other pressures on them and and any other challenges that have to be overcome in enabling them, the family caregivers, to benefit from the health. So, in other words, uh, navigation and general help. Mary, what's going on? What's being done?
3: Well, Gordon, in follow up to what Naguib was saying, we have certainly made numerous calls for a national dementia plan in Canada. It's an embarrassment that Canada is one of the few countries in the world that does not have a comprehensive, well-resourced dementia plan. And certainly, as Naguib mentioned, one of the essential cornerstones of a good plan is really supporting family caregivers and helping them to navigate the healthcare system, which can be enormously complex. Even people who work in the healthcare system are absolutely shocked at how little they actually know when they're on the other side of the desk. So the Alzheimer's Society is there to try and help make sense of the healthcare system, make sure people are getting the benefits they're entitled to and so on. But we also provide tools for people. So if you're going to talk to your family doctor, we have some tools, some checklists to say go there prepared, go with in your hand. The kind of information that we hear from doctors all the time really helps them to help people who are worried that they have dementia or who are dealing with family caregivers who are becoming stressed. So we try to also give people very practical tools to use uh, to help navigate the system. When it comes to actually um, helping, the help that's available for family caregivers to help them cope, I think the main message I'd like to convey here is having a stiff upper lip is not a good idea. Being a stoic Canadian who just sticks it out and says, a good daughter soldier's on, I promised my wife I would never abandon her, this is not a good idea, this is not a good strategy. Family caregivers who are the healthiest are the ones who say very, very early, I need help, I need it now, I'm going to need it for the next 12 or 15 15 years. So, if there's one thing that your listeners take away today, I would hope that they would hear, ask for help, and ask for it early. And by doing that, you're understanding that Alzheimer's disease and other dementias is not a sprint; it is a marathon. It is a long-standing disease that, as Naguib said, absolutely can exhaust family members, and you simply cannot go the distance without pacing yourself. So, there's a lot to think about, and you simply cannot do it alone. And the those families who think they can are the ones who tend to fare the worst through this disease. So family members are reaching out to the Alzheimer's Society, and we're sharing with them what we know about the disease so that together we can figure out, okay, how are you going to go the distance, and how is it going to work in your particular situation? Because that's going to be different than anyone else's.
1: Now, I'm just going to very quickly, in the seconds that remain for this uh, segment, just to pick up two words. You've used the word web, and you've also talked about family caregivers as it were, talking among themselves. Yeah. What I also hear often on this show is the loneliness that family caregivers can experience, the mm-hmm. feeling that they're alone. Yeah. And they get a lot of a lot of help by knowing they're not alone. Mm-hmm. First of all, there are people out there, like you, wanting to usefully help them, but there are also other family caregivers who have travelled or are travelling yeah. the road who have something to share with them as well. And then the other thing about the web is you mentioned, you know, people live in different parts of this vast continent, this vast country, the web in the sense of the internet, the thing that we're, the very thing we're using now is a wonderful way of connecting people. So if that sounds like a bit of a commercial break for what we're doing (laughs) on Family Caregivers Unite, forgive me. Now, we have reached the time where we need to take the break again. So this is Dr. Gordon Nathalie and my guests are Naguib Gouda and Mary Schultz. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety channel. Stay with us, we're coming back.
4: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now 1 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your question. That's 1 866
0: 472
4: 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer, and someday you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Clip has spent three decades learning how to win at the Dream Home Game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Clip help save you money and make you a winner.
4: Ever wondered what private investigators really do and how they go about solving cases? Each week, P.I.'s Declassified gives a glimpse into this little-known world. Join your host, Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator, in conversations with detectives and experts in the field. False confessions, forensic evidence, finding missing persons, exposing fraud, exonerating the innocent. All areas that Francie and her guests will cover, and have they got stories to tell. Tune in and call in to the live show Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
0: Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris. Real talk on business and parenthood. Hosted by Chris Efesiu. Chris is the portrait of the success story. Coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses, while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Nagib Gouda and Mary Schultz. Our topic is Alzheimer's disease, family caregivers, challenges, needs, priorities. We've heard that Alzheimer's disease presents serious challenges. Now, let's identify the responses you would like to see and the messages you would like to share. Now, starting with you, Mary, Canada's social systems, what should be their priorities for family caregiving?
3: Well, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't start by reiterating the need for a, a national dementia plan in Canada. And if we did have one, which uh, is sorely needed, it needs to be well resourced. So we're not talking about a plan that sits on a shelf, but one that is well resourced and that really builds on the successes that our colleagues in other countries are having. And within that plan, we think that social systems and healthcare systems need to really build in the kinds of things we've talked about helping to strengthen families who are supporting people with dementia, helping them to understand the health and social system around them, so that system navigation, which is just a fancy way of saying, where do you turn for something? Where, where do you get that kind of help? How much does it cost? Who do I call? What kind of forms do I need to fill out? What kind of planning do I need to do? These very practical pieces of information that people will often say later on, well, if I'd only known that, I could have saved three months of my time everybody else's time. The other thing that's really important to emphasize here is that caregivers who really understand this disease and understand what makes it do what it does to people like people with dementia, how does it actually affect the brain and what impact does that have on a behavior and the ability to function on a day-to-day basis? Why can my mother no longer figure out how to brush her teeth? Why does dad put his pants on over his underwear? When we understand that the brain is dysfunctional and is not telling the body what to do, then we start to develop skills as family caregivers that help us to actually navigate through that set of problems. And research that's been done, Gordon, tells us that family members who really are well prepared for the challenges that are going to come with the disease, not only are healthier longer as a rule, but are also able to support that person living in their own home for longer. And that is hugely important because most people wish to live in their own homes as long as it's practically possible. So, in, in summary, we really look to a very well resourced national dementia plan that is informed by what we've learned from other countries who've been down this road.
1: Now, Gabe, uh, the same question. Um, Canada's healthcare systems, what should be their priorities for family caregiving?
2: Well, I'll pick up exactly where Mary left off, and I apologize if I repeat myself, but uh, this is just so, so vitally important. Uh, We need a national dementia plan. Our government uh, listens to us. They've been listening to us, but it's time to get that plan in place. Um, France, with former President Sarkozy, made Alzheimer's disease their number one health priority in France. We need a champion. We need uh, Mr. Harper to become a champion for people living with Alzheimer's disease and their families and their caregivers and to recognize the severity, the scope, and the, ma- the magnitude of the disease. Now, in terms of the plan itself, and, and, and maybe back to your question more directly in terms of the priorities, um, there, you know, there are five priorities in the plan, and, and, and one of them is about caregivers. It's recognizing the role of caregivers and providing them with support with more responsive and timely services, additional tax credits, work leaves, home care, et cetera. Uh, in terms of our theme today, I guess the next most important one to mention would be um, certainly in terms of the healthcare system, increasing the skills and the capacity of the dementia healthcare workforce to deal with staggering numbers that we're about uh, to see. Uh, of course, to focus on and to accelerate investment uh, in research. Uh, That is so out of whack uh, in this country uh, in terms of research investment uh, being uh, not aligned to the magnitude of this disease. Um, It's about raising the awareness about risk reduction, it's about promoting early diagnosis and management of the disease. So those things together are the priority in terms of the healthcare system and in terms of the uh, need for a national dementia plan in Canada.
1: Mary, what's your message to family caregivers about getting help from social systems? What do you say to them?
3: Well, it's not for the faint of heart, Gordon. We, we really encourage families to bolster themselves and to be as strong as they can be to really navigate the system in a way that's going to work for them. First of all, as we've talked about, by asking for help, by demanding help, and by learning about and maximizing all the supports that are available and not being the least bit shy about doing that. Remembering that a sign of strength, a sign of health, is understanding that you cannot go through this disease by yourself but we also ask that if people have some energy left over after doing that that they really become advocates for person-centered care that the person with dementia has the right to be treated as an individual with unique needs and that the system doesn't always recognize that a cookie cutter approach is not going to work and so really we all have to speak up about how dementia is a unique challenging long-during kind of illness where people with Dimension need to have opportunities to continue to be the people that they are and not to be slotted into systems that don't necessarily work for them. And that's where the Alzheimer's Society can help as well.
1: Got it. Nige. what's your message to family caregivers about getting help from our health care systems?
2: Learn as much as you possibly can about the disease so that you know what to expect. The biggest stressor is, is, is not knowing what the challenges are, or what will come next. So that would be my number one message. Um, turn to us. Uh, you're not alone. So that, that is another big message, is you are not dealing with this alone. Turn to your local Alzheimer's Society. Find out what services are available in your community. And don't wait until a crisis occurs. As Mary said, ask questions, ask for help. Uh, know your rights, self-advocate, Um, And I think that, you know, if I can go back to the Need for a National Dementia Plan, in terms of my message to family caregivers, is become advocates. Um, There needs to be reform uh, in terms of how and when care is delivered in the most effective way for Canadians living with dementia and for their caregivers. Caregiving is a complicated task, as we've talked about. Caregiver's health is often compromised and who best to advocate Advocate than the person or persons going through this themselves. That's my message.
1: Very good. Now I'm just going to sort of press on a particular aspect of what you've been saying, and that's this. Um, you've talked about learning and uh, Obviously, I agree 150% with what you're saying about the importance of family caregivers learning, what they're coping with, and that's why, your, among other services, your information service is right. so important. But I also wonder, and I'm going to ask Naguib this, um, whether there's some learning in reverse, whether you think that the healthcare system, maybe the social system as well, have something to learn from family caregivers who've traveled the road and seen it all, Been there, done that, and have been at the, if I may use this phrase, the sharp end of providing care. What do you think? Can the healthcare system learn from family caregivers? Absolutely,
2: just like we do with the society. Uh, I I talked about our our awareness campaign and and having the voices of of the caregivers and the people living with the disease. Uh, I talked about our board members. Uh, We we. we listen to and talk to people all the time and we're always always learning um nobody knows better what it feels like what the road is like uh what the challenges are and what the potential solutions and or ways we can help them are than the people who are living with this themselves and so uh we would be remiss not to ask and i think that the healthcare Uh, System uh, needs to do the same. They need to involve the people who are living this.
3: Gordon, if I may jump in, the challenge. Please do. The challenge, too, is that the health system needs to learn to listen to the people who are living with the disease. Right. We hear all the time that sending a different caregiver every day to someone with dementia doesn't work because you're starting from square one all over again. We've learned from families saying, you can't just deliver a hot meal to my mother and then walk away. She's going to store it in the corner of the room and forget that it's there. We need to adapt and be flexible and be nimble in the health and social service system because dementia truly has unique challenges, and we need to listen to those challenges so that we can adapt the system to the needs of the consumer.
1: Just a very quick technical point, uh, Mary, you're right in using the word dementia. Dementia is a class of diseases of the brain, Alzheimer's is one of them, but it's a very important one accounting for what, 67% That's of right. the dimensions, but mm-hmm. they're horrid no other word for it, conditions. Now, I want to come back to something else. You've both spoken about, and used the word, voice. And I want to ask you just briefly, in the sense of voice being people speaking collectively about their needs, getting through their messages to the people who Mm -hmm. allocate resources, make decisions, and the rest of it. And just very quickly, starting with Naguib. Um, Is giving voice to family caregivers um, important? Is that something we need to support more? What do you think? Absolutely, 100%
2: and as often as we can, not only do we listen to them, but we also encourage them and and, and we help them to collectively uh, speak to, write to, communicate with their members of Parliament. It's part of what we do. It's part of our advocacy uh, work that we do on behalf of uh, those living with the disease. And and I just have to be really clear, Uh, when I now say people living with the disease in the same breath, I mean those diagnosed with disease and those who are the caregivers and are uh, beside those living with the disease.
1: Let me just ask, it's the same question, Mary. Um, Voice for family caregivers, do you believe that's important too?
3: We absolutely do, and sometimes family caregivers and people with dementia don't really believe us. So our experience absolutely is that when we speak with decision makers and policy makers of any kind, they listen to us, but they really sit up and pay attention when someone who's living with the disease, either as a caregiver or as a person diagnosed, talks. The room just goes still. And so if anyone doubts the power of that story, the power of that compelling message, it is most compelling when it comes with people who are living with the disease on a day-to-day basis.
1: Thank you. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end. We're going to have to close in a moment. But first, I want to say thank you to our listeners. And, you know, we'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And if you pass them through to me, I'd be very glad to share them with our two guests. I want to say a particular thank you to Nagib and Mary, not just for sharing us with, with us your experience and your insights and your advice, but also your sense of leadership, your sense of where it's going, your uh, drive to do something about this condition and your respect for family caregivers. Uh, thank you for that. I very much appreciate that, and I know our listeners do too. Well, now, from thank our,
2: you for giving us the opportunity to have that conversation in terms of the stigma issue. That is just hugely important, and we really, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Now, from our listeners, I'd also like to hear from you about ideas for topics or or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. And in our next episode, we'll talk about how to survive caring For aging parents. So please join us same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then.
0: Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate it should be right.